Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike Kay from NJ Advanced Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss Miles Sanders in the running back group, what will happen with Zach Ertz before training camp, and the Eagles options at cornerback. Chris, how are you doing today? Not bad at all, Mike. How are you doing, man? Um, my enthusiasm level is a little bit higher than yours. I need to feel it, Chris. Where are you hey, at? Mike, hey, there you go. On, man? Boom. How's everything going? There Bam. we go. Gee golly. <laughs> well, we're 24 hours removed roughly from watching Jason Kelsey dish out some beers, drink some of his own, talk about his contract status, talk about potential heir parents. You know, it's nice to cover something in the field for once. Like it feels like we haven't been in the field in like forever. And so I think my enthusiasm's up. I, you know, obviously, um, you know, if you follow the podcast, you know that we have kind of been, on and off breaks lately. And, um, you know, it, it was nice to get this podcast in because Chris and I are going to take a little bit more vacation during the downtime. Um, but we wanted to make sure we were in your earbuds, uh, as much as possible during this, this down period as some of us in the business call the dead period. Um, so Chris, uh, let's talk about that conversation with Jason Kelsey before we kind of get into the rest of the depth chart. Um, it was reported last month uh, by Jeremy Fowler that Jason Kelsey put um, basically a clause in his contract that would force both him and the Eagles to make a decision prior to June 2nd on his future. So what happened was they needed to lower his cap number. What they did was they created additional void years to spread out his bonus while also giving him a raise in turn Kelsey sought after some extra, you know, flexibility, you could say, and put essentially what you would call a quote unquote poison pill in his contract to where if he decided not to retire and the Eagles decided not to give him an extension, they'd have to cut him basically before June 2nd, or he would receive 31 million, I believe is the total in guaranteed money. 
And you're not going to want to pay a guy in his mid-30s, especially a center, $30 million. So it basically forces the Eagles to make a decision as soon as possible during the next summer if Jason Kelsey does intend to, to keep playing. Obviously, he's contemplated retirement the last few years, so there's a good chance that he could get them off the hook and the rest of his contract would be a June 1 designation cut and would free up cap space, what have you. Um, he also talked about his potential heir parents. He named four guys, Nate Herbig, Luke Jariga, who both played last year, Landon Dickerson, the second round pick, and then starting left guard, Isaac Sayamalu. Who of those four guys do you think should be bookmarked to be Kelsey's eventual replacement? I think right now I would go with Sayamalu. I think Sayamalu's got enough NFL experience. He's seen a lot of these defensive fronts. He's seen a lot of the different stunts and everything else that a lot of defensive coordinators have used in the past. So sliding him over right for at least for a couple of years until Dickerson were able to develop his uh, game a little bit more. But I think Sayamalu will give you the best fit for the moment. I mean, Jariga is still a really good uh, – I think Jariga has a chance to turn into a decent backup. But overall, I think Sayamalu is the guy you, you roll with right now. And, and then you slide – and then when you move Sayamalu over center, then I think you put Dickerson over at that left guard to replace him. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think right now I think the plan is to have Dickerson play left guard. I think that's where his value can be really felt. Um He's obviously a bigger center too. He's, you know, six foot five and in 300. So it's not like he's built like Kelsey anyway. Sayamalu is more of that athletic pulling guard. Well, Dickerson's extremely athletic. He's, his body type is probably fit better towards left guard. He's also had knee injuries. He's had um, ankle injuries. So snapping the ball might be an issue long term. So yeah, I, I I'm in agreement with you. I think I know it's not great radio, but I, I do think Isaac Samalu, the plan has always been for him to eventually succeed. Um, Kelsey, that said, I will tell you that Stalin is very, very high on Luke Jariga. And, and the staff is high on, on Nate Herbig. I know Herbig kind of had that blip on the radar benching, but he's a guy that I think Stoutman really likes. He's obviously, again, like Dickerson, not your typical center build. Um, Jariga's a guy who's built like a little bit bigger Jason Kelsey. So um, that's just interesting. Like, you know, we've always talked about replacing, um, you know, franchise cornerstones. Who's going to eventually replace Jason Peters was obviously a big discussion for several years. Now we know that Jordan Maylotta and Andre Dillard are going to duke it out uh, during training camp. Um, you know, I'm sure the Eagles are already trying to figure out who will eventually replace Brandon Brooks, given all the injuries that he's had. Uh, Lane Johnson's another one whose contract continues to balloon. And, you know, he doesn't strike me as a guy who, as much as the fan base probably would in the front office in Lane Johnson probably would love for him to retire here. He's still so young and making so much money that I don't know if he if he does end up spending his entire career in Philly. So he's another guy. Like, you look at Jack Driscoll, who played pretty well, given the circumstances last year. If he can prove that he can be durable um, over the long term, maybe he's Lane Johnson's eventual replacement. They have him on the cheap for the next three years. So, you know, Jason Kelsey said something interesting to us when we were talking to him. He said, you know, it's nice that they have 
a lot of depth on the offensive line. And Kelsey's not really a guy who will just like smudge the facts. He truly believes that. So I do think they're in better shape than they've been in a while. As far as depth goes, I think they're too deep at each position. Uh, you know, whoever wins or loses Melata Dillard, the other guy can back up the left tackle spot. Same can be said with Sam Alu and Dickerson, uh, Kelsey and Jeriga, um, Brooks and Herbig. Uh, Johnson and, and Driscoll. So you have these two deep groups. Whereas last year, you didn't really have a lot of experience depth behind the starters. And so now I think last year could turn out to be a blessing in disguise because so many of these guys got playing time uh, down the stretch of a disappointing season. Um, speaking of a down season, let's get into Miles Sanders. Uh, Maurice Jones drew former uh, league leader in rushing yards back in his time with the Jaguars is now an analyst for NFL.com. He recently came out with his uh, ranking of the top uh, 32 running backs in the league, or essentially like all the RB ones, uh, the starting running backs in the league. And man, did, is he not a fan of Miles Sanders? I remember talking to him before the season started last year and he said this is what you know he needed to be consistent as a runner he needed to be disciplined with his his eyes and block better etc and now he puts out this list and basically talks about his inconsistency which is fair in my opinion um as a rookie he caught everything coming his way he was dynamic in the passing game he obviously had that highlight catch in the back of the end zone with Carson Wentz uh which was one of the most unbelievable throws and catches I've ever seen live um but he struggled a bit as a runner last year he was blowing everything away as a runner um had three runs of over 74 yards uh and six touchdowns but he had eight drops in the passing game so it was kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde of two seasons a tale of two seasons and so now Maurice Jones Drew understandably wants to see uh, more consistency for Miles Sanders. Where are you at with Miles Sanders? Do you think 27 is like really harsh? Because I, I, I'd say he's more middling than one of the worst starters at running back in the league. I probably would have put him somewhere in the range of around 20. 27, I think, is a little bit low just of what he's able to do. I think the main thing with him is going to be availability. I mean, he's, he, he, he's had some lingering injury history and there's some questions if he can be a regular three down guy. And that's why I really think when you look at what the Eagles have done depth wise behind them, I think they're starting to see that as well too. They want to probably keep him fresh. And if they're going to continue to want to run the ball more with under Sirianni, they're going to have to make sure they have the guys back there in case he's not able to do it and he gets dinged up. But I think, I do think 27 is, is too low. I think he's 20th and who knows, maybe he has a resurgence where he might find himself in like 15, 10 range after this season. But yeah, MGG was, it was a little low for my take, man. What do you think, man? I mean, he's got, he's got Leonard Fournette, Mike Davis and Melvin Gordon ahead of him. Like, I just like, to me, like Raheem Moster, like, yeah, I get it. He was good in, in like the playoffs a couple of years ago. Chase Edmonds, what are we even talking about here? <laughs> um, look, again, I agree with you. He needs to be more consistent. He needs to, you know, play more within himself. But man, like, 
cool. So Mark Ingram and Devin Singletary and Miles Gaskin are like at the bottom of the list. Like I get it, those guys, but yeah, I, I don't know. For my money, I would say that Miles Sanders is probably in that like 16 to 20 range. I think that's fair. Um, you know, obviously we haven't seen him put it together, but we've seen enough of him in both sides that where he's getting a fresh start now with Jamal Singleton, who, who has a lot of history of, of making rotational uh, position work work. Um, you know, I don't know if he's a three down back. I, I did think coming into the last season that he could be that guy, but I just, you know, he missed games with a hamstring injury and a knee injury and honestly, you know, everybody wants a three down back, but I feel like sometimes forcing it on guys kind of dampens their career. Maybe the, the solution is to make them the feature back. And then you have carry on Johnson or Boston Scott kind of spell them on, you know, on occasion. And then you have Kenny Gainwell's the third down back. Like right now their running back room isn't like full of talent, but it's full of names. You know, you've got Jordan Howard and carry on Johnson probably fighting it out for that third down back. Uh, role uh, at least immediately they're both really good blockers have shown proficiency as receivers and short yardage backs uh, Gainwell's going to be that gadget guy who's kind of in the mold of Naheem Hines in in Indy for Nick Sirianni and then I think you look at Boston Scott who's going to be one of those utility backs that if if Sanders is out for a long period of time you're going to see Scott work in tandem with somebody like Johnson or Howard um where are you at with that running back room? What's your level of confidence in that running back room? I I, I actually like the running, the guys they have in there because there's a lot of versatility you can have in there, and I, I'm actually excited to see them use two, like two running back sets, not necessarily with them both in the backfield, but say Sanders in the slot, and you still have on Johnson in the back in the backfield that could either catch a pass out the backfield or help with the pass protection. I, I think. Jordan Howard, I think he might be on the outside looking in now. Yeah, I agree. G- given with the uh, on Johnson's blocking ability, and Jordan Howard's main thing was that, but he also had some short yardage uh, capabilities because there's not really, besides like you're getting down way down in depth charts on Elijah Holyfield, I don't feel, think they have that true one power back they can really go to on if you want to line up at the goal line or, or third and one and say, hey, you know what, let's put a – let's put a jury or somebody else a a, a, a semi quasi fullback back there and say okay we're gonna pick up this one yard you don't have that guy i think besides howard so it's it's there's a lot that can be done there i wouldn't be surprised if they maybe carry five but i only say five with the asterisk next to huntley just being your kick return specialist if that if not i, th- I say roll with four well can i give you a curveball yeah because I wanted to talk about this a little bit, Adrian Killens, right? So Adrian Killens has been working almost exclusively with wide receivers uh, this off season. He did a lot with them last year. I think they view him as like a slot gadget weapon. I think he could be really good on slot screens, which is something that I don't think a lot of coaches really take advantage of. He's a guy with elite speed. He knows what it's like to run through contact and run, um, through uh traffic but he also has really good hands he was pretty good in college as a a receiver out of the backfield too so um he's kind of just like a running back in name but I could see the Eagles maybe going lighter at wide receiver maybe instead of keeping six wide receivers they go with five and five at running back and wide receiver now again that's like 
crazy talk. I mean, like, Killens would have to be so dynamic that they're like, yeah, we can move on from Greg Ward, or yeah, we can move on from Quez Watkins. But I think that would be really interesting. Like, if you got it to the point where you wanted to make this a really fast group and a dynamic group, you're looking at something like, well, if I did like a 10-man group of wide receivers and running backs at wide receiver, I've got Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, Travis Fulgham, uh, J.J. Sigal-Whiteside, and Quez Watkins, right? And then at running back, I have um, Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, uh, Kenny Gainwell, on Johnson, and Adrian Killens. That I could see something dynamic working, but the, but the issue I have with that is, is he worth a roster spot right now? Is like anybody trying to claim this dude off of waivers? I think it really comes down to the preseason. What do you think about Adrian Killens and his shot at the roster? Because he just seems like, you know, amongst our beat group core, like, you know, our spidey, sen our spidey senses are kind of tingling here. I think he, for me, he has a lot, he had a lot of talent, but it's hard to find a role for him. And, and and like you said, we did see him out there as a wide receiver. And short of him playing like a, a Darren Sproles type role, role, I just don't know where he, where you can get him. I mean, he had a chance to be picked up by a lot of teams last year. I mean, he spent a lot of time on the practice squad and nobody, nobody really wanted him. And uh, given, I granted that it's tough to go to a new system in the middle of a year and learn it, but there, there's just to me there's just some stuff where I, he, he's not the biggest guy in the world, so you can't really line you can't line him up when he out like on the out as an outsider receiver. You have to use him in the slot, which okay, granted he, he could do well there, but running the ball, I think you, you, I think when you look at the other running backs you have on on the roster. If you put a five and five, I still play him probably as the fourth or fifth guy on there. So, it, he, I, I really wanted to see if he can. And I say the same with Huntley. I really want to see if he can develop something in the return game because he's, he's got speed. And I don't know if he's comfortable back there returning punts too. But it, it, with him, it's just it's just tough to find a true role for him to get there. And then if you do that, how many touches does he get? It's, it's just rough. Yeah, I think it's one of those ones where like you know you have to have an active guys you know, every game. So it's like, are are you going to like sit a tight end? Are you going to sit a cornerback so you can get this gadget guy in there? You know, you'd have to find like a, a significant role. Maybe, you know, who they look at him as like an Andrew Hawkins where he can be this bulk slot receiver. Who's like super undersized, really slippery, but can be extremely productive. Um, He's just going to be a name to watch, I feel like, during preseason and training camp. He's going to be, you know, Eagles fans love underdogs during training camp. And I think Adrian Killens will be a guy to watch. So from there, let's move on to tight end because Zach Ritz is still here. And, <laughs> uh, you know, there are some – I don't want this to be considered a report, but I will say that among colleagues and among people I've talked to in the league, it does kind of feel like there's a standstill here. It doesn't feel like there's going to be a lot going on. Not anytime soon, because like, if you say that, then people are like, well, what's anytime soon, but it doesn't feel like anything's on the cusp of happening with Zach Ertz. And the longer he's on the roster, the longer you got to kind of feel like, well, maybe they do keep him around, but 
you look at their cap situation, they've got about four million in cap space. They still need to re-sign Landon Dickerson, or they still need to sign Landon Dickerson to his rookie contract, which will count, which will take a chip out of that. And their cornerback group is kind of ridiculous, which we'll talk in, in a negative way, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And so you'd like to see them infuse some talent um, into their Dallas Goddard's going to be the starter, probably whether Ertz is here or not. They brought back Richard Rogers, who seemed like the ideal number two, especially if the team is going to focus more on 11 personnel, which is one tight end, one running back, three wide receivers. So um, where are you at at tight end? What do you think inevitably happens with Zach Ertz? Uh, overall, what's the picture for you? For me, I think they ha- if I think they have to move them by at least the first by at least a week into camp because the longer it goes, the more questions are going to be asked and the bigger it comes a distraction. And the last thing you want to do is have, especially with a first year head coach, uh, uh, yeah, first year head coach in Nick Sirianni, you don't want to have distractions going into your first mini camp. You want to have everybody focus and not have to deal with the questions of, hey, you have this eagle guy who potentially could go into the Eagles Hall of Fame one day still sitting out there he doesn't want he's not around here but yeah he's not at camp what's going on it just takes away from that so i eventually think he's going to be moved on to where yeah it is it's just a lot different avenues you can go there that could be a whole nother podcast in itself but i see goddard obviously being tight in one i think rogers will be tight in two and i really i i I've said this in the past and i still believe this i really think jack stole will be the tight end three on this team i i just think this team, looking at all the other options, you have a lot of converted guys who converted over from wide receiver, even when it's converted from quarterback to tight end. I, I think you still need a guy not only who's able to catch, but who can block, especially if you go 22 to two tight ends and two running back, or just whatever. You need 12. The, 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 old, the old Paul Donald was 12 personnel. You have to have somebody. <laughs> I think you need two two guys on that, on that end. So and, and I think Goddard. Goddard, I think, develop has developed a little bit better in his blocking, but still, I don't think one of the premier blocking tight ends. Rogers, to me, I still see him view him as as still a receiving receiver first, and I think Stoll gives you a little bit more balance at the position. I'm not going to say he's. I don't think Stoll's going to be tight end one. I think maybe in the future, if he puts, he continues to put the work in and he gets acclimated to the system, he could put, be a tight end too, but. I think adding him to the roster right now, I think he he adds a little bit more, not only just to blocking, but maybe special teams as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Stoll's got a bigger shot at at this roster than any undrafted guy uh, currently signed. I mean, it's like a handful of players, but like, I think you're right. I think in order for Dallas Goddard to take the next step in his development, he needs to be receiver focused, uh, especially if they're going to go with one tight end looks. Um, you know, Rogers is going to play on special teams and do his thing. But yeah, I agree with you. I think Jack Stahl is probably the best blocker naturally out of all the guys that are here, especially because there's a lot of projects on this roster. Um, I wouldn't say that Caleb Wilson's a particularly good blocker. Same with Jason Kroom. No. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think blocking is big. I think special teams are big. I, I, I think that if Zach Ertz isn't here, if they do keep three tight ends, remember the last two years in week one, they did not keep a third tight end. So there's a possibility that they do that again and then eventually boost all up if they feel like they can keep him. But also remember, 
they were very frustrated, as I reported last year, that they lost doubt on putting um, Noah Tuagai or Tojai on on the practice squad. He got claimed by the Colts, and they were kicking themselves about it. So uh, they don't want to repeat history there. Maybe Jack Stahl has a pretty good training camp, and they just keep around. He's going to get a lot of playing time, I think, in the preseason. So he'll also be a guy to watch. Let's move over to cornerback, where it feels like <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, right? Because like as we're watching this unfold, it's like they've done one thing at corner that you could be like, okay, cool. There's a maybe an upgrade on the depth chart with Zach McPherson, uh, the fourth round pick. They really like him, but I just to me, if you're moving Avante Maddox back into the nickel position, you traded for Josiah Scott, who's can basically only play the nickel position. You signed a guy like Nate Maters, who's going to be a bottom-of-the-roster depth chart guy. Uh, I just don't know what you're doing at CB2 outside of having McPherson, Craig James, and Michael Jaquette compete for that job. And no matter how you try to wrap a bow around it, it's not going to look like a pretty picture. It's just not. Um, I don't care how you frame this because it's basically the equivalent of of taking a picture of, of like a splinter on your toe. You know what I mean? It's like, why did you show me that? <laughs> uh, and, and then like, to me, it's like, you, you, you know, you know, when like you're watching a, a superhero movie and the villain just like has no personality, they're just basically there to be punched in the face. Like it just kind of, yeah, well, no, but like, <laughs> Like, if, if Darius Slade is Darth Vader, all of these are stormtroopers that can't shoot. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's... First it's of all, why are you bringing uh, Ben Simmons into this? <laughs> <laughs> it, it feels like, like when you see one of those, like, big Marvel villain, or It's like the Joker is there, which I actually think is pretty funny for Darius Slade, because he likes to laugh and be goofy. If he's the Joker, <laughs> these are all his henchmen. It's not like he's working... It's not like he has a Riddler to partner up with it's not like he's got the penguin chilling with him although pe the penguin probably wouldn't be that great in coverage anyway you know what i mean like <laughs> right now it's you got like mr freeze's like assistant in michael jaquette like chilling out there and i'm not like i'm not trying to hate on michael jaquette but like the reality of the situation is he's still a mystery this is a new coaching staff he's played like six games you know it, it's just you've got to take the steps and look this team keeps saying they're not rebuilding. Well, leaving the cornerback group that way signals a rebuild. It honestly signals a punt to me. Like, look, I get it. Guys can come out of nowhere like Craig James and be like really good corners, but you can't just like bat your eyelashes and and, and like chill on that, right? I mean, it, it's just weird roster building. So where are you at with the cornerback position now that I've gone on my rant about DC characters? I was going to say, is this like Cesar Romero where you think you have like Biff and Buff when it comes my to grandfather, <laughs> My grandfather used to be called Cesar Romero because he looked exactly like Cesar Romero. I'll send you a picture later. But Respect. Uh, yeah, but I, it shouts for going 60s Batman, by the way. No, I was no, rereading no, no. an article that I wrote a while ago, and I talked about Burt Ward and Adam West, and I was very proud of it. So I guess we're on the same wavelength. Anyway, back to you. <laughs> Uh, like when it comes overall to, I think I, I, I'm still really th think I, I should, should tell the audience we're both in our thirties. It's not like we're like, you know, going back to the, you know, 
In the 60s. My day, I we're not we're not trying to date ourselves here. Sense. We just appreciate the goodness. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, I I really truly feel that if they don't get Stephen Nelson, that they may move Jaquette back in there. And I, Maddox, I'll start this. Maddox play to me, in my opinion, is a better inside guy in that slot area than he is on the outside. I just think that he would have more success. And if they don't get a veteran like Steven Nelson, who has experience playing, who played a lot of zone last year, I think it'd be a decent add to this defense and makes a defense that could potentially be like, okay, average and near above average to really good on the back end to shore things up. You're looking at, I'd probably say Michael Jaquette's your guy. I mean, out of, out of the remaining guys to be CB2, I think he would be the one. And I know the images of that second Cowboys game still fresh in everybody's mind where it was a rough thing. But it's you're really relying on hoping that he did a lot. He he puts a lot together in this offseason. And I see him more as like a CB3, CB4 I don't see him like as a top tier guy, but I think Jaquette would be the one. James, so you're saying Jaquette? You're there. saying Jaquette is a Chris Rock like character? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> CB4. Anybody? Yeah, yeah, anybody? Like, oh gosh! Is this mic on? We, 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 we've gone off the rails, and it's actually kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, look at that! Look at that! Look, listen to that enthusiasm in Chris's voice. Anyway, hey, I swear I'm alive. I Ariel's got me trying this new coffee and I'm like having a good time with it. There's nothing in it. It's just, it, I'm, it's just coffee, but it's not spiked with Bailey's or something. No, I'm just having a good time, man. It's been a good day. Um, so like, I guess if the roster stayed this way, who would you say is the ideal candidate for quarterback? I saying ideal in this group is like, you know, I don't want to think of a dumb analogy, but like, I, I, I just, you know, if you found, <laughs> I got nothing. Sorry. Uh, but <laughs> so who would be your ideal guy to be at cornerback to if the roster stays as is heading into training camp of, of this group? Well, for me, the ideal, I think J- Michael Jaquette is the ideal guy. When you have a guy of his size, six one, they, they don't really have that many. You, you don't really see that many cornerbacks t- with that size. And given that you have a lot of these receivers in this division, like uh, Cooper and McLaren, and, and just overall, a lot of these wide receivers you're going to have to see over the course of the season, you don't really have a taller guy that can truly compete for some of these jump balls. So I think Jaquette will be the guy that winds up, if they if they don't make another move and they need somebody to put, put on the outside, I think Jaquette would move. But, you know, I get that sneaky suspicion I think Maddox winds up on the outside again if if, if no free agent is uh, added, and then you're looking at a uh, Josiah Scott being that nickel guy instead of Nicole Robert Coleman like last year. Whew. Yikes! <laughs> um, so I'd say this. Look, so um, I think ideally Zach McPherson or Zach McPherson should be the guy. Uh, I think he's young. He has upside. You can take the the growing pains out there. He's got good size. I think he attacks the ball really well. Um, you've invested in him. Throw him out there. What, I mean, what's the harm? So uh, to me, that's who I would go with. Um, 
I think McPherson's a guy that a lot of people like internally. Uh, they jumped at the chance to get him. Obviously, they put the PR spin on drafting him in the fourth round, so they consider drafting him in the third round. Um, if that's true, he should be starting the cornerback. Otherwise, you're just putting him in a Curtis Marsh situation. Wow, I haven't thought of Curtis Marsh in, wow. in forever. But, like, <laughs> seriously, like, Curtis Marsh had his, his like, wow. I've got to tweet about Curtis Marsh at some point today. Um, <laughs> but, like, to me, it's just one of those things where I think if you're – if you're the Eagles, you don't want to stun his growth by like being too cautious with him. This is a young team. Put him out there. See what he can do. They gave him 27. They gave him Malcolm Jenkins' number after a year. No one's worn Brent Selleck's number in three years. Like, what's going on here? But anyway, that's that's another story. I digress. Um, <laughs> McPherson would be the guy. I like Craig James, though. I will say I do like Craig James. I just don't think he's... I think he's a replacement level player. I, I don't see him being a starting cornerback in the league. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but I think his value is more on special teams and being like a rotational corner. Um, so with that said, uh, Chris, what are your final thoughts? Just open floor, open, open season. We've been away for two weeks. What do you got? Well, um, I, to be honest, I got nothing. <laughs> it's it's i'll say this is it, it, it was great seeing you in person yesterday for a jason kelsey thing i think that was a like you mentioned earlier it, it, it is bringing back some form of norm normalcy i mean it, it was it's great to be out there and cover and and, and see and interact with people who follow the eagles i mean i thought that was it, it, it's it's slowly but surely it, it's getting great and the fact that now recording this on uh thursday july 1st fact that we're 20 uh 26 days away now from training camp beginning and it, it, it goes who would have thought like season goes by so fast and then it's over and next thing you know it's like huh it, it, it's almost here again so yeah i'm looking i'm looking forward to man what, what, what's your final thoughts well I, I think as we enter this dead period you know it's important to remember like this is kind of when guys make mistakes and this is where you learn who's professional and who's not um so hopefully you and I will not be covering any arrests or any, you know, boo-boos or what have you. Um, you know, remember around this time, obviously this wasn't his fault, but Brennan Brooks tore his Achilles and, um, you know, that was a big bummer. And so, you know, you hope everybody stays safe. Everybody stays healthy and, and out of trouble. Um, I hope everybody at home is, is staying safe and, and enjoying the summer. I, it's, I, we just got back from South Florida. It's just as hot up here in South Jersey. So I hope you're taking advantage of the sun, going to the shore, doing whatever you guys got to do. Um, you know, we appreciate you guys tuning in. I know that there's been a bit of a lull, but uh, we love hearing from you guys make sure to subscribe uh, to our podcast, the no huddle show, wherever podcasts are available. Remember, you can also sign up for Eagles extra. We do a five. Uh, oh, sorry. I lost my train of thought there. I was looking at the time. All right. Let me take that again. You can also sign up for Eagles extra. Um, we do a weekly Q and a, whether it's myself or Chris, we make sure you, Get all your questions answered. Remember, you can sign up for free on nj.com slash text. 
that's the opportunity to ask whatever you want, as many questions as you want. And Chris and I will make sure that we get those answered. For Chris, I'm Mike. We'll see you soon.